0: <laughs> this is
1: Pulse of the Pack.
0: There's Leto. Down he goes. And there's Reggie White, White. And that's that hump move. Reggie's coming again. That's Reggie White. Yeah. Reggie White's going to take over this game right now. He ends the count. He's got the,
1: the quarterback taking these into the touchdown. The Packers
0: are all in front. Twenty to seventeen. And 13 seconds joined on the clock, and the Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the first break years. Burfitt lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete.
1: And or did he catch it? The catch in the 15. Yes. What are they going to roll did he court it? He caught it.
2: Did what? He did what indeed he caught a pass he beat the Minnesota Vikings and that's what we are here to do every single day is beat the Minnesota Vikings pulse of the pack we are back and better than ever here from the game on Wisconsin studios and I am back in those studios so for everybody in the chat <laughs> Tom Grassi Matt Freilich some of the other guys that are in here talking uh, some smack about my positioning if you will. I have never felt better in my entire life. I am your host today. I am Jacob Westendorf, as I have been for the last six years, and joined with me as he has for the last six years. And he reached his sixties in that time frame. And that is Jason Perone. Jason, right. how are we doing, my friend?
0: Apparently, I'm retired, so I'm, I'm great. Every day is Saturday, so it's absolutely beautiful. Feels like a Saturday. Feels like a Saturday. It's my favorite day of the week because training camp starts soon.
2: I'm excited. That's. That's right and we have our newest edition live from Lambeau Field okay not really but he's still with us and that is Paul Brettle. Paul you didn't you missed out on a, a bachelor festivities this weekend but otherwise how are you feeling? Uh, I'm doing fantastic and I'm just happy to be here with you guys and we're back. Paul So the pack is back. Yes, we are and we are back and better than ever. This is our first show of Game on Wisconsin uh, website that launched on Monday, July 20th. And it's been a bit of a whirlwind, guys. I mean, honestly, we've you know we kind of been working on this for, for quite some time. Just kind of give me your, some of your thoughts, Jason. Let's start with you. Uh, just going through the week of, of what it's been like to finally see some of this vision come to fruition.
0: Oh, it was amazing. I would have never expected everything that that we did. The one thing I did expect us to do was reach the threshold that I'm sure you'll talk about again that is going to require to you to make some permanent changes to yourself, Jacob. But our team was incredible and It's one of those things where I'll just say this, it's kind of like, it's kind of like wedding day where everybody sees the beautiful, smooth production on the website and everything else that's going on. They have no idea all that it took behind the scenes to make that happen. So big shout out to our team. It was an incredible week
2: one. And Paul, you've been going through, obviously doing some of our editing and everything like that, but uh, the first week's been, been pretty positive on the, on the writing front and obviously doing some of this stuff too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had great content. And as Jason said, we can't thank, you know, our group and everyone um, that's been with us throughout all this, just putting out all the good content and stuff like that. It's been excellent.
2: Yeah, it has. And I think Jason alluded to it a little bit earlier. And I think that's that's a perfect segue for me is something I I never thought in a million years that it would work this way. I kind of started joking with Jimmy a little bit on Monday morning when we launched. I was like, hey, what if you know what if we made like a bet or something like that? and did some stuff with tattooing would you be down and he was like yes so we picked the number of a thousand and we put that tweet up on tuesday and said if we reached a thousand twitter follows by the end of friday uh that we would get new tattoos of the game on wisconsin logo and it turns out that we got to there by the end of thursday so we got blown out of the water we should have picked a bigger number uh the we are working well I, I mean, I'm not hurt by it. I guess if, if, if it ever requires me to get a new tattoo, that's never something I'm going to shy away from too much. But uh, we, have, we are working on that right now. Uh, Jimmy was working today on trying to get us an appointment. We are actually going to be in Green Bay together next weekend. So we're trying to figure out a way to do that together and to kind of take you guys through that through our first bit, but that's the intro to the site. You guys know us by now. You've seen some great shows. Shout out to Maggie Loney and Perry Goldstein for kicking us off Monday night with happy hour, a Wednesday night with Dan Kotnick, Jimmy Christensen, and Todd Varney inside of Lombardi's bar. And you won't want to miss that show on Wednesday night. There's a patron. Um, you may not recognize him. I'll say he's lost quite a bit of weight since the time you would have recognized him, but that is the only tease I will give. I'll leave the rest to them. And obviously yesterday, the mega show that we had, which included myself and Jason Perone hosting for three hours, Maggie and Perry, Jimmy Christensen, Eric Edholm, Bryce Christensen, uh, Matt Schneidman, Kingsley Kiki, Luke Neal, Vernon Scott. So many great guests throughout the day yesterday. And Paul, we're sorry we missed you yesterday, but we're going to make up for it today. And what we want to start with, guys, training camp starts Tuesday. Everything is approved. The players are going to report. It looks a little different. Than it has in years past, obviously no fans, no bike rides, all that stuff because of the COVID-19 situation, Uh, but one of the new people in, and everybody's talked about, you know, obviously the additions of Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner replacing Brian Belaga and some of the other on-field stuff, Jordan Love, AJ Dillon, um, some of the guys like that, but not a lot of people are talking about the addition of Jerry Gray, and that's where I wanted to start today because we had a, a request on our Twitter account to talk about Jerry Gray and what that addition might mean to the Packers secondary. My first thought is, well, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, Xavier Rhodes was really good. Those are just some names that he's had under his tutelage. Harrison Smith is arguably one of the best players at his position. Anthony Harris might be the best player nobody's heard of at his position. And Xavier Rhodes, plenty of jokes to be made, but he was really good for a long time, especially in Minnesota and in a defense that Mike Zimmer has that puts a lot of emphasis on its coverage units because of its complex schemes on the back end. My thought on it is that at minimum, Jerry Gray can get this team to be a little more disciplined and stop having so many of those communication breakdowns that we talk about. It seems like every game uh, that the Packers lose, there's a couple plays that's like, oh my God, how is that guy that wide open kind of situation? The two guys that I want to highlight that I think he can help the most, and they're the two guys that I think can transform this defense from last year's defense was good I think the defense has potential to be a championship caliber unit. And the way they do that is Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage. If both of those guys take the steps and reach their full potential, and I know Jair gets a lot of love in the social media circles, but he's not there yet. And Darnell Savage had an okay rookie season, but it wasn't a great one. The talent is there. You can see those things. If those guys are up to snuff, this secondary goes from really good to great, and a great secondary with a great free safety, and assignment sure, strong safety like Adrian Amos, a really good number two corner like Kevin King, and a great corner one like Jair Alexander. There's a lot to like about that. Paul, you've done some stuff on Jerry Gray here in the past of one of the 8,335 articles you've written this offseason. What are some of your thoughts on what he can bring to the table, maybe specifically with those two guys?
1: I think that this could end up being one of the more Underrated hires, and it's it's a positional coach, so it's never going to be you know top of the headlines. But his track record speaks for itself, and he's well respected throughout the NFL community with his coaching ability. And what really I watched the Zoom call when he was speaking, what really um, came through in that is you know the teaching ability that he has. Every even some of the questions that he asked turned into teaching moments there. So I can only imagine how he's going to be in the locker room, um, on the field, on the practice field with these guys but uh, one of his former uh, players, Fred Smoot said, every player has a butt, you know, Jair Alexander is really good at this, but Kevin King's really good at this, but he said, Jerry Gray is excellent at finding out what that butt is and having the player work on it and get rid of that. And so I think, especially with those young guys, Jair and Darnell Savage, like you mentioned, they both still have those butts, you know, the cornerback room, the secondary unit, it's incredibly talented, but it's also very young. You know, Kevin King's the most experienced corner and he's, only, he's still on his rookie deal. So there's, you know, consistency issues. Big plays were a big problem last year. And it's those things that he can help iron out, especially with those young guys. And one of the things that Gray um, said in his Zoom call that I really liked is he says, I have the tools to take you to the next level. You just have to tell me where you want to go, work hard, and I'll tell you how to get there. And I, that's what I'm expecting with Savage Alexander and just a secondary in general. Like I said, his track record speaks for itself.
2: And Jason, some of the other guys, obviously it's not just going to be those four players that we mentioned. The Packers play a lot of DBs in general, especially with Mike Petton at the helm. Uh, but even still, Kevin King has had some injury history. Jair Alexander has missed a couple games in his young career here. Uh, Adrian Amos and Darnell, well, Darnell Savage just had the one, but he's had an injury uh, in his history. And Adrian Amos has really been a pinnacle of health. So knock on wood, hopefully he's able to stay healthy. But the reality is it's the NFL and you're going to play your backups and probably some more than you would like. So thinking on that, guys like Shannon Sullivan, Raven Green, Kadar Holman, Josh Jackson, what can the addition of Gray do for those guys and get them ready potentially to play? Because Tremont Williams isn't here anymore. That's somebody that is – It's not a safety net at this point. He hasn't been brought back. I'm not sure if there's no intention of bringing him back. My thought on that kind of is if they were going to, they would have done it by now, but they haven't. So he's not here. And my assumption as of right now is he's not going to be here. So with that in mind, what can Gray do for those guys? Because they're clearly banking on a jump from some of those guys to the next level.
0: I think part of why maybe Tremont's not back is because of the confidence they have in Gray to coach up guys like Shannon Sullivan, for example. I think he's primed for big things this season. Kadar Holman's another name we've, we've brought up several times as somebody we hope flourishes. And you think about some past Packers teams that have been really, really good in certain areas, and you can obviously make a correlation to the coaching staff. You know, Jimmy Robinson coached the wide receivers, and they had a, a, a lights-out group. They had a lot of talent. But he was a great coach. Fritz Shermer, great defensive coordinator back when they were winning the 96 Super Bowl, things like that. Jerry Gray just seems to be another along those lines of a guy who's going to come in and he's going to make a meaningful impact. And I think he's going to impact the guys not just in the on the field and in their games, but in their lives. And I think part of the, the game that we forget about is that mental aspect, preparing mentally. That's one thing I think that will be missed greatly with Tremont gone. was he learned from Charles Woodson how to study, how to prepare for games, and that's contagious to some of these younger guys. Hopefully someone like Jerry Gray has been around long enough and he's seen guys that have succeeded, and he can tell the young guys, look, this is what you need to do. If you want to go from B to A, then you've got to do these different things, and you've got to, you've got to trust in this process here. He's a, he's a great hire, and I think I think that's one of the reasons why the Packers have stuck with what they've got. They've got that much faith in him to get the most out of that group.
2: Yeah, and I think that's something. I think you hit it pretty good there. The Packers have quite a few B players in their secondary right now. I don't know if there's an A player back there just yet. I would say Adrian Amos is probably a B plus. Jair Alexander in his young career so far, B plus. Kevin King a B minus. Darnell Savage B minus C plus type player early in their young careers. Can they get those guys? to And if you go back to the Super Bowl season, and I know we compared just about everything to 2010 around here, but if you go back to that season, Charles Woodson, that's an A player. Nick Collins, that's an A player. Tremont Williams that season was an A player. That's three A players that I just mentioned. That Charlie Peppera being a C-plus player wasn't that big of a deal. And Sam Shields really being a B-minus to B player in his young career and then turning in an A performance in the NFC Championship game, That's how they were able, one of the many reasons they were able to win that year's Super Bowl. So that'll be an interesting thing to see, I think, early on, is how disciplined the defensive backs are. Unfortunately, the only rounds we're going to get are live rounds. Uh, No preseason, so we're only getting those regular season reps. So hopefully they're able to stay healthy and build on what they were able to do last year. Because, again, I think it's a good defense. I think it has potential to be a great defense. Not so great. Some of the news that came out this week about, a potential reduction in the salary cap. And that would be the worst case scenario would be that the, the NFL has a salary cap next season of about $175 million, which gives the Packers according to the cap experts around the Twitter, notably Ken Engels of the unknown Packers podcast about $5 million to spend. I'm sure you've heard by this point, Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley and Kevin King are all slated to be free agents at the end of the year. Uh, that would be $1 million annually a piece for them to re-sign those guys uh, obviously without some cap gymnastics and everything of that nature. So Jason, let's start here. That's obviously the worst case scenario, but I mean, how nervous are you for that to play out? This team could look very, very different in 2021 if the salary cap gets reduced that dramatically.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a concern, but I think there's so many questions to answer about what this season is going to look like and what it's actually going to be next season. So I guess, I guess I'd have to say, yeah, because it's just a lot of guys. I mean, ideally you'd like to find a way to keep them all, but that just isn't the way that the league works. But I trust what the team has done over the past several years as an example of what we expect them to do moving forward, which is figure it out. Not all of them are going to be back. Unfortunately, some of them are, are going to move on, but that's where we have to hope that the succession plan, Brian Gutekunst's the draft plan is long-term, which we saw take take place this past draft with some of the, the selections that he made. So yeah, I, I think they will be okay, but there's, there's a lot of questions to, to be answered. Um, obviously Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari wanted one a on that list, not to say that the other guys aren't important, but you know, like you can only do so much with, with the players that you've gotten. Unfortunately, this is one of those seasons. I mean, sometimes they have one or two guys that are pending free agents and it's an easy equation. Okay. We have to find a way to sign one or two guys this time around. It's, it's um you know, five or six different guys that we're talking about. So they're going to they're going to have to get creative with it.
2: Paul, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, again, worst case scenario that would meet to me. Granted, I don't know all the details, and they haven't really been shared as to how that would work. But the worst case scenario would be that there are no games played, and I struggle to see that scenario playing out personally. But if for some reason the cap stays at that one seventy five. I mean, what kind of gymnastics and such are Russ Ball and company going to have to do? Or are they going to have to go backward and essentially say, "Okay, all five of those guys are going to have to walk because we chose to pay. So Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. I mean, what what are some changes this team could potentially make to fit under that cap?
1: So the good news in this bad situation is that there's always ways to create cap space. And for reference, if it drops to 175, this year's cap number is 198.2, and typically it's been increasing. So just to kind of give you an idea of what the difference is, and even in a perfect world where none of this was going on and it was the 198.2 million this year, and then maybe next year is 205, the Packers were still probably only going to be able to sign two of those five free agents. I mean, even without these unique circumstances, they don't have a ton of cap space available. So if it drops to the 175, um, Russ Ball and Goody are going to have to, um, they're going to have to get to work. So a couple names, you know, you can always cut players as long as their um, dead cap hit is less than their cap hit. So a few guys, Billy Turner next season, Christian Kirksey, Uh, Rick Wagner, Dean Lowry, if they were to cut those four guys, they would save, they would create $17 million in cap space right there. Obviously, that means guys have to step up, whether they're not on the roster or are on the roster now. They could restructure deals. So Zadaria Smith's deal could be restructured to help spread the cap out. Devontae Adams is in his last. Next, 2021 is the last year of Devante's current deal. An extension there could help spread out the cap hit because he has a significant one as well. So there's things that they can do to help create that cap room. But one thing that I find interesting is, you know, if they had to move on from Billy Turner, Dean Lowry, we can kind of, we get it. We understand why. But what if Rashawn Gary takes a step forward this year? And now you have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith. If they moved on from Preston Smith, they save $8 million dollars. What if Darnell Savage takes a big step forward like we hope they say four and a half million by moving on from Amos. So by no means is, this, is that what I'm predicting or expecting to happen, but I'm just throwing it out there that if they're in a pinch for money and you have Zadarius and Rashawn Gary took that step forward and you got to pay Kenny Clark and you need Preston Smith's $8 million, I mean, that's probably what they're going to end up doing. So just something to keep in mind. Like you said, it's still a ways off. We have to see how this season plays out. And the 175 is the floor. Could be 190, could be anything in between. But it's just something to be mindful of moving forward.
2: One other name that you didn't mention, and I would put this under highly unlikely, but it's a possibility.
0: Uh, They drafted
2: they drafted back in the first round if Jordan love were to knock on wood hopefully he doesn't play but if let's say Jordan love plays four games and it's just lights out in four games it's possible that they move on from Aaron Rodgers I'm not are saying that they have w- i I'm not saying they would do that but it is possible and I can't believe, you haven't, are-
0: ducked I can't believe you haven't ducked yet Jake
2: <laughs> well to my knowledge nobody's throwing anything at me in my own <laughs> basement I would hope but <laughs> I mean it's where my loyalty lies is pretty apparent back over here, guys. Trust me. I love Aaron Rodgers, and I hope he's the Packers quarterback forever, but I also understand that there's going to come a day when Jordan Love is the team's starting quarterback. If he's awesome in 2020 in a short sample, it's possible that number is sooner rather than later, but that remains to be seen. Let's get to 2020. Enough doom and gloom. We've Mm -hmm. talked enough of the nonsense about everything. Guys, it's training camp, and I know it's not the same. I know we had been having some – some high caliber plans and maybe all of us getting together and meeting up for camp and having some dinner over a nice curd burger and talking about what we saw at practice that given day and enjoying some brews at the green Bay distillery or stadium view or whatever bar of our choice that wants to sponsor us one day. So whatever it is that the the reality is that we can't do that, but it's still training camp and there's still hope abound for this team. And I think that, if we did a stack of the Packers against the rest of the NFC, I think you would say we feel pretty good, maybe not great about their chances, but pretty good about their chances of potentially representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not going to say that I think they're better than the San Francisco 49ers right now or you know teams like that, but I do think there's a path that you could see, whereas maybe in other years you could say that we were stretching it. To those kinds of things. So let's start, guys. It's camp. It's Matt Lafleur's second season. They have no new coaches uh, of significance. So not a new offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, not a new head coach, not a new starting quarterback. They have some of that continuity. An article I wrote for Game On Wisconsin uh, will will kind of break down why that could be significant, especially early in the season with no OTAs, oh, an odd installation period, just a little bit of everything's a little strange. And the Packers having that continuity with. Aaron Rodgers and a majority of this offensive line. Packers offensive line returns four star. They return twenty of twenty-two starters, preferred starters from a season ago. That's not not a big deal. And honestly, of the twenty two starters, or the twenty starters they returned, the two guys that they used to replace, Kirksey's probably an upgrade over Blake Martinez, Wagner, a step back from Brian Bellaga. So Maybe that's a net even. I'm not sure. But let's get into this, guys, a little bit. Obviously, this 2020 team, we know the deal. It's pretty simple. Aaron Rodgers has to be good. Cedarius Smith has to be good. David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander. We know who the stars are. Camp and preseason is about who's going to help this team get to the next level. And, Paul, you've written some stuff about how this team's relying on their second and their third-year players to get them to that level. So I'm going to start with who do we have as our breakout player, on offense coming into camp here and if anybody has listened to anything i've said for the last two years we know the deal it's jay sternberger the team's new starting tight end number 87 they don't give out those numbers by accident first of all green bay knows what those numbers mean it's just like when they gave nick collins number 36 or they gave haha clinton Dix number 21 there are reasons they give those numbers out and that's an expectation level whether they do that intentionally or not i think there's I think there's too much smoke for there to not be fire on that. But Sternberger is going to step in to a position where the Packers haven't had an impact player at that position for a full season. So Jared Cook doesn't count since Jermichael Finley. That's a long time. Jermichael Finley's been retired now for seven years. Jace has a really good opportunity here to step in and grab a hold of those reins, be the team starting tight end, that stretch player down the field. He has the versatility. There are plays. Ben Fennel has done some great film breakdowns. They're not on the box score, but he's open. He just needs Rodgers to hit him. And there are plays that show that where he can get open on those wheel routes. He can stretch the seam. He's done some nice things. The NFC championship game. He did some good things. So I think that Sternberger has just as good of an opportunity. And honestly, Jimmy Graham was so poor in his two seasons in green Bay that if Sternberger is a replacement level player, just dead on league average, it's a massive upgrade at the position. So that's kind of how I feel about my breakout player on the offensive side of the ball. Jason, it looks like you've been joined by yours. How do you feel about uh, your breakout player on the side of the offense here?
0: Yeah. Sternberger as well. It's, it's low hanging fruit. It's obvious that that's the, the guy that I think is going to make the biggest jump. And it's, it's a further development of the floor offense. We're going to see more out of the tight ends. We're going to see more out of the backfield. Josiah DeGuar is going to move around in formations and hopefully as a, as a rookie, he can absorb that playbook and do some of those things too. But you just saw it kind of start to blossom in the playoffs. I mean, his if he's got a full season, I imagine 2019 looks a lot nicer for Sternberger. We have a much clearer picture of what he's going to do in this next season. But, you know, in a game that was already out of hand, Rodgers still finds him. He gets his first touchdown. He makes his first catch against the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. No better time to show up than that. And he does the dirty work. Finally, a tight end that's willing to do some of that dirty work because Mercedes Lewis is eventually not going to be here. And I'm not saying that the Packers need essentially a sixth offensive lineman uh, every single snap, but just knowing that he's able to do those things because Graham was a one-trick pony, he was a receiver, and he was marginal, like you said, Jake, at, at best. So it's to me, it just it seems like this was the easy answer. This was this was obviously you know the easy, lazy answer, but I also think it's it's probably the most likely.
2: Paul, your answer not quite as obvious, and so who are you thinking as far as your breakout player on the offensive side of the ball?
1: So Sternberg is a great choice. Alan Lazard up there as well. But someone I think has been forgotten about a little bit, and I understand why, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So we all know second half of last season didn't go well, whether it I was – not fit that entire name in the banner, by the <laughs> way.
2: So that's why we had to go MBS here.
1: <laughs> whether it was injuries, um, he misplayed some deep balls, you know, lost confidence, Lafleur Rogers lost confidence in him, whatever it was, combination of the three, his snap count just plummeted last season. But I think what's been forgotten is prior to that, from weeks one through seven, he had 21 receptions and was averaging almost 20 yards per catch. He had a 133-yard game against Oakland. He had a 99-yard game against Denver. And he has that 4-3-8-40 speed. He's the only receiver on this team that has that. He is their best deep threat option that they have, and he's going to get opportunities. Now, I I have to say that, the start of the season is important to him. If he gets off to a slow start again, I could see things just snowballing and back to the sidelines what it was. So he needs a good training camp, a good first few weeks. But in this offense, I know it's you know everyone's focusing on how it's gonna be emphasizing the run this year. And it might be more than what it was last year. But with that comes play action, comes shots downfield. Aaron Rodgers is still under center people. He likes to take those shots. They're going to take them and MVS is best equipped to take the top off the defense with that speed. So I think the opportunities are going to be there for him to bounce back this season and make some noise.
2: That'll be interesting to watch because I did something on MVS earlier in this offseason. I can't even keep track of when it all happened, but essentially said it's a, he's a one trick pony, but it's a really important trick for him to have. Mm-hmm. And that is the ability, like you said, to stretch that defense. So you mentioned some of his better games. I can tell you whenever I watch a game with my brother, whenever he touches the ball and you can see him get Revan, we said the same thing like at the same time, and that's track speed. And mm-hmm. MBS has that track speed to blow a game open. So that'll be interesting to see. Last year, obviously, he had the opportunity to be wide receiver two. It didn't work out for him for various reasons throughout the year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. We've got a breakout player on the defensive side of the ball here. And, Paul, you've been talking about this dude all offseason long. So go ahead.
1: Thank you. I think it was back in – oh, it was just after the draft ended in May. And I tweeted out, Kadar Holman is my guy this year. Um, I just love what he brings to the table. I think he's a great fit with Mike Penton's defense. So he's a a freak athlete. He's got that sub 4-4 speed as well. Um, He's very experienced in press man coverage coming from Toledo. He's physical at the line of scrimmage with the receivers. And like I said, he has that speed to work well outside. And the cornerback position, to me, it flew under the radar this offseason. You know, they have Jair, they have Kevin King. Chandon Sullivan was excellent last year, but there's question marks as well. Kevin King only played in 15 games his first two seasons. Can he stay healthy again? Sullivan was excellent last year, but it was a small sample size. Can he do it in a larger role if he takes over that nickel corner duties? And then behind them, it's Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, KB Anento, you know, a lot of inexperience. So I think there's going to be the chance for him this summer. And he was already on LeFleur and Petton's radar last year. And I went to about, seven or eight practices last year. And I always made sure to watch him and he was sticky in coverage and not as a rookie six round rookie. It wasn't against the JV squad. He was going against the ones and twos and he was sticky in coverage. So his athleticism, his physicality, um, his ability and man coverage. I just think he's a really good fit. And I think there's some uncertainty, some unknowns at the cornerback position where he can slide in out wide, you know, across from dry air um, if needed. And I think he's someone to keep your eyes on for sure.
2: Okay, so there's our Cuddle Home Holman love fest. I promise that we uh, will not bring him up again through the remainder of this show, uh, but that's what I've got there. Uh, Jason, you have a guy as well. Tremont Williams not here anymore, so maybe a little bit of help. I didn't realize that they were going to join you every time that we went. Through. So that's excellent graphic work by your producer back there. But yeah, who is your breakout player on defense this year?
0: It's not great work by me positioning myself so you can see the player. So I got Chanda Sullivan, and, and I have... A lot of reason to believe that he's going to get a lot of opportunities to be that nickel corner. If Tremont Williams isn't coming back, he seems to be the de facto guy that's going to get the chance to take over that spot. If someone else does, like if Kadar Holman takes a huge step forward, and I'm a big fan of his as well, that's that's even better for the defense if they have that quandary, if it would be a great problem to have. I have the same concern that Paul mentioned, which is can Channon Sullivan do it, snap in and snap out as a regular player on defense? He just didn't have enough – I mean, he didn't even get into a game until the Dallas game. He had the one interception that was the only interception he had all season. He broke up several passes over the – he had six pass breakups over the season. But he was a role player, and so it's different when you're doing it every single down and you can't have the mental lapses that you you saw some of. There was some of that with Sullivan, too. There's question marks there. But, again, I think kind of along the lines of of a Jay Sternberger, I think it's going to be by – you know, by the nature of how many opportunities they're going to get. And unless he just falls apart, I don't see him not being a bigger part of this defense and taking hold of that nickel spot. I, I think if they bring Tremont back, I would be okay with it. I think it would be fine. But I think as long as he stays out there and obviously some team could ruin that dream quickly by signing him. But if he's out there and the Packers don't feel good about it four weeks from now, you know, hopefully they can bring riser back. And then he's, you know, He's a a big part of that development. He's almost like you know an assistant, a player assistant under Jerry Gray back there with the defensive back. So they're in a good position, and I like what I saw from Sullivan last year. I think he's going to take a big step.
2: Listen, nobody loves Tremont Williams more than Perry Goldstein, but after that, nobody loves Tremont Williams more than me. So I am 100% in favor of bringing him back. And I've mentioned this several times. I talked about it yesterday on the Mega Show, Jason. You know, we've, we've talked about it before, too, is he's a guy who he can come in he gives you kind of a Band-Aid, but he's also one of those, he's a veteran. He doesn't require a huge salary to bring in, and he's not going to pitch a fit if one of the young guys like Hallman, Sullivan, Jackson pass him up to the point where he's more of a you know, moral support coach on the field, but on the sideline type thing too. So I don't have a problem with that. My breakout guy, uh, it is 2016 or 2016. Wow. Uh, 2019 draft crush season for me. Cause I am going with Darnell Savage as my breakout player. And it's somebody who I think a lot of people are just assuming he's really, really good and kind of the case, kind of not last year. You saw the flashes, but you definitely saw him have some rookie moments as well. You know, One of my things that I think can flash on the screen the most is the play speed and the instincts. And Savage definitely has those. You could see it in the middle of the year, kind of tail off a little bit because of an ankle injury that he was nursing a little bit throughout the course of the year so it took him a while to get back but darnell savage like i said i think he has potential to be a star and i remember watching his game tape from college and got a chance to actually see him play in person against michigan i went to the big house and he was part of my bachelor party one of those dudes is like he's the fastest player on the field and i mean Granted, Michigan's not SEC, but it's a team that has a lot of high-star recruits and a lot of high-caliber players on that field. So when you're the fastest player against a team like that, also watch them against Ohio State. He's running stride for stride to some of their guys like Paris Campbell. So that's how I kind of judge that and how I know who can run and who can't. He has the ability, and I think they have so many plans for him. We're talking about this slot corner position. Savage has potential to really play some of that as well. And if he does, there's some Tyran Matthew type, stuff that he can do i'm not comparing the players necessarily but just that general idea of a twitched up athlete being able to play in that position i really think there's a good chance he leads the team in interceptions this year if he does some of that stuff too so i look forward to a big year from darnell savage so one of the segments that i really enjoy one of my favorite radio personalities is adam shine and i listen to him every day on uh, sirius xm radio and i enjoy his intro always says, who's my guy. And he always says who his guy is. So the name of this segment is who's my guy uh, going into camp guys. Who is your person that you're just like, that is my guy. I'm hitching my wagon to him. Maybe not a well-known player, but somebody I think that can someone like Alan Lazard, maybe last year kind of come out of nowhere to be a, a key contributor to this team. So Paul, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, I'm double dipping. I already went off to our home. And I said, back in May,
2: yeah, um, I broke my promise already. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> appreciate that.
1: When you when you said that earlier that we were done with that, I just assumed you were skipping me this segment.
2: <laughs> I try in general not to listen when you start talking. But, you know, was, go ahead. Kadar <laughs> Holman's your guy. Tell us why. No, it, but like back
1: in May, I said, that's my guy. So I've already gone through him enough of why I'm excited about him and why I think that he can make an impact this year. So you get there, you have it.
2: And actually, if you guys want, there's on Packer Report, there is a great story by Mark Eckel. Mm-hmm. I talked to I- Hallman's old coach. So, uh, Paul, he's really not your guy like that until you buy his jersey unnecessarily. I have a Josh Jackson jersey hanging in my closet, for example. So All right. you, better get, you better get to customizing. So I expect, I expect a Hallman jersey when I come up for the home opener in <laughs> you September. Got it. So, um, Jason, let's move to you. There's somebody else that you've got here. Uh, who is your – and, again, he's joining us. So – Quoth the Jason.
0: All right. So, and actually, it's kind of cool because it looks like this is also the choice of Seth in the chat, too, Raven Green. So, Raven Green is my guy, and he's one I've talked about before where he had such a big role. Well, he had a bigger role in 2018, and then he lost all 2019 because he was injured. And he was a guy that I think was slated to be a big part of the defense. And even though he's not a a primo a player like you mentioned earlier jake Kind of the class of different players he is somebody whose absence i think did change the approach that the packers had to take on defense in the secondary and also with regards to the linebackers you know maybe they had to use more of blake martinez than they wanted to i think raven green's one of those guys who isn't flashy he's not super fast but he's steady he's sure back there he knows the defense he may come back and end up being more special teams and not etching a role for himself as much as as we think but i just had such high hopes for him last year that when he got hurt i just kind of put them on hold and carried him forward to this year because i think he's got it mentally and that is something that's going to keep guys employed and on the field is if they know where to be if they know the defense if they're part of it if they're if they're ingrained in what it is that's going on in the field then they're going to be a big part of it so raven green is my guy to watch and of course you know it's it for me, it's typically a defensive back. So if you look at the the jerseys that I've had, you know, I've got the Jair, courtesy of Jake. Thank you for that. Prior to that, it was Ha Ha. I wore a Woodson at one time. So it's, it's probably going to be a defensive back f- for me. And it's Raven Green. It's funny because I was looking for a good image to put up here, and then I had to kind of remind myself if he was 24 or 36. He did wear 36 for a minute, but he has switched to 24.
2: He has indeed. And he's somebody who, you know, that dime linebacker, if you will, or that, what did they call it? The nitro package, you know, those Rover type players that they've had the original spot that they created for Morgan Burnett, you know, Raven green was much better at that position in the game and a half he played than anybody. They tried to replace him with, you know, the thought was like, well, they get Ibrahim Campbell back. They'll be okay. Uh, Raven green's a much better athlete than Ibrahim Campbell. He can run and he's one of those, another one of those players. He's flashed on the screen. I remember, You know, the play, and Jason, we've talked about it on this show several times. There's a play against Miami in that 2018 season that we're all still trying to forget, Mike McCarthy's final year, where he sacks the quarterback and he he just looks like a blur. And there are plays like that. It's partially why I thought Josh Jones was going to be awesome because he had a few plays like that against the Bengals and then one against the Cardinals from that season, Jason's other favorite team. So Green is one of those guys that definitely flashes on the screen. Go ahead, guys, in the chat, drop your – Uh, Drop who's your guy. And while you're at it, if you have any questions, feel free to get those. We'll try and get to some of those at the very end here. But as we get to our training camp, here's a big question is who is in a make or break type season? And we've talked about those before. And I'm going to go with Billy Turner. And I say that because, Paul, you mentioned earlier, this is a guy who at the end of at the end of next season, they could potentially move on from him. And they look at him as potentially, I don't know if they look at him as a, an option at right tackle. You know, last year they did just about everything they could to not do that. And this year, I don't know. I mean, I think Rick Wagner is the team's plan to start at right tackle. But I'm not real sure who, Jimmy, how dare you? So <laughs> he's trying, well, to, get I, on, I'm he's trying, trying to get on Christmas lists already in July. I, I see that apparently that's uh okay. I've got a big lump of coal headed your way, Jimmy. So actually I don't want to fight you cause you can kick my ass and we both know it. So um, anyways, with Billy Turner for a make or break for me, I just think that he's somebody who they could move on from him. If he has another year, I, the ability's there. Uh, he could, he would have to be that 2018 player though, that he wasn't, he just wasn't that for too often last year. That's one of those weak link groups, you know, the offensive line and the defense line, they they pick a guy who they think isn't very good and they attack him. So they attacked Billy Turner a lot last year and a lot of times with a lot of success. Now the person next to him isn't a really good player like Brian Balaga was and it's now Rick Wagner. So that gets a little scary. And Paul, you've mentioned before, and I tend to agree with you, it's possible Lane Taylor beats him out as a starting guard. And if Lane Taylor is starting, then I think that tells you where Billy Turner is going to be playing next season and it won't be in green Bay. So it's a make or break camp for him. I think Jason, who is your make or break candidate?
0: All right. So my make or break guy, am I going to have to reconfigure myself again? All right. So I'm Marquez, Scanling, and it kind of goes, I guess you could, it could kind of go hand in hand with Paul's reasoning. I mean, he has to essentially be, the breakout guy. I mean, he has to do what he's supposed to do. He was just so baffling last year. I mean, he, he had in the first month of the season, he had 16 targets or actually 16 catches. And he caught one of his two touchdowns. He had the the deep shot against Denver and then the rest of the season, he doesn't log more than two catches in any single game. He had a couple goose eggs. He wasn't targeted. Hardly at all. I mean, until the Detroit game in week 17, he didn't exceed any more than four targets in a game. That just wasn't the player that Marcos Valdez-Scantling was supposed to be in the offense, especially in a transition year where Matt LaFleur is trying to implement his offense, but he's trying to hold over some of the guys from before. MVS showed in his rookie season, he can do a lot of great things. I keep remembering that great uh, catch against the Patriots on the road in a big game. There was every reason to believe he was going to be able to do that. He makes the deep catch against Denver. He misses that same play to open up the Chicago game at the end of the season. And I didn't understand exactly what it was. And, Paul, you and I on Packaday have, have wondered if maybe he wasn't dealing with an ailment of some sort that was hindering his, his ability. You know, when you've when you're you've got bumps and bruises out there, sometimes it gets inside your head. I think some of it was mental. I mean, he's got the speed. There's no reason why he can't break away from guys and and get open he just got a haul in the football and he's, he's got to get the trust back of the quarterback who's throwing him the football. So it's, you know, MBS has to, he's got to, he's got to get something going on here because he's, he's approaching the end of his rookie contract. And, you know, he's going to be looking for a new, like, you know, like we've said, if these guys don't step up, he's going to be looking for a new place to play after that. And you'd like to kind of keep that speed in house. If you can, like Paul said, he's got that elite speed. You'd like to keep that on your, on your depth chart. If you can
2: there's an alternate universe that exists where MBS catches that ball and walks in for a touchdown. And I think it's possible that one that changes his rest of the season. And it also changes that game. I think the Packers possibly blow out the bears or something like that Mm -hmm. were to happen and go well for them early. Cause that bears team was ready to quit. The Packers just kind of let them hang in throughout the course of that game. But Paul, you want to break my heart a little bit. I know, uh, and I that know with the deal with that up. is, yeah, apparently. So who's your make-or-break person here? Josh Jackson,
1: year three for the second-round pick. So rookie year, got 10 starts, led the team in penalties, took some lumps, but, I mean, to be expected to some extent. Last summer gets hurt, misses a um, chunk of training camp and I believe some of the preseason action as well. And, I mean, we see veterans who are coming back from injury that missed practice time, you know, takes them a while to get back in the flow. So for a young player who's still learning, um, still developing, you know, it takes even a bigger toll. And he just tumbled down the depth chart last year. He played less than 10% of Green Bay's defensive snaps last year. And when he was on the field, he was picked on. Eight targets, seven receptions and a touchdown he gave up. I think this year he'll have the opportunity to prove himself again, because like I said earlier, when talking about Hallman, just the cornerback unit in general, there's he's going to have chances just because there are some unknowns behind Jair, Kevin King, and then hopefully Sullivan steps up as well. So he'll have those opportunities. But like with MVS, he's going to have to capitalize early this season. You know, if he starts off poorly in training camp and doesn't see playing time through weeks two, three, four, and so on, it, unless there's injuries, it's not going to happen halfway through. So he needs to come out camp swinging. Um, flash those ball skills, everything that we saw at Iowa, and hopefully we see him take a step forward. However, he's my make or break guy because if we don't, a year from now when we're having you know these similar discussions, he's a name that could come up as he doesn't make
0: it to week one. And it's scary for a second round pick. You know, I mean, you mentioned it, but for a second round pick and one that a lot of a lot of mocks had as a first rounder, it's just not something the Packers can
2: afford. No, and you want to talk about, I mean, with Kevin King potentially playing his last season in Green Bay, mm-hmm. if one of Kadar Hallman or Josh Jackson looks to be a contributor, that kind of helps alleviate some of the concern to where the Packers maybe aren't necessarily looking for a full-time starter going into the 2021 season. So that'll be interesting. I look forward to that. Uh, I tend to think that Jackson's healthy uh, and has a chance to... I. He was my number one corner going into that draft. I liked him more than Denzel Ward. Now, I may end up being proven wrong on that, but I'm going to hang on until I absolutely cannot hang on any longer with Josh Jackson. So I look forward to that. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming in through the chat. So Mr. Keith, thank you for coming in here. I, I agree. There can never be too much green and gold talk yeah. big B I'm surprised you're talking about Oren Burks as a make or break here. I am just thrilled to see that you can talk about somebody other than Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Yeah.
0: If we did a defensive Warren Burks was going to be my clear choice for that.
2: Well, th- and that's one too. I mean, that's another guy. There are guys that definitely also fit this role. So, uh, Mr. NN, uh, what I want you to do here is, one, I've seen you in all of our stuff the last few days. What I want you to do is send me, uh, direct message me on Twitter, send it to the Facebook page, whatever. Tell me how to pronounce your name so I don't butcher it live on the air. Well, it's backwards, so it's
0: Justin if you read it.
2: Oh, is that how that works? (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, hey. All right. Well, Justin, if that is your real name or if your real name is the way that it's spelled forwards, then, you know, whatever works. All right. So thank you for coming in. I do appreciate that. You guys have been a lot of fun throughout the course of this day. Um, Like I mentioned, there's been a lot of guys that fit this mold that we're talking about. And we'll talk about more of it all training camp long. Next week might look a little different. Paul is gone. I will be in Green Bay and it sounds well, assuming Jimmy doesn't ditch me here uh, in the next few weeks. So we'll see what happens if Jimmy ditches me or not, or if I don't even want him to come around anymore. So thank you for that, Jimmy, if you do, but um, next week might look a little different, but otherwise we'll be here all training camp long. And then once the season starts, the plan is to go one hour or about 90 minutes after the game ends. Uh, and some of that might depend on what you guys want for those late night games. I'm game to go late at night, but if you guys uh, are deciding you want to go to bed, maybe if it goes like last year's 49 or Sunday night game, that would definitely be, be the case. So, um otherwise guys follow the like us on facebook game on wisconsin subscribe to us on youtube follow us on twitter at game on wi our social media gal she's been doing wonderful the last few days i don't know if she wants me to give out her name or not but it's been a lot of fun we had a parody of full house that was great uh she's really good with with the latest and greatest memes there's a lot of good stuff that goes in Uh, to that Twitter account there. And then obviously our YouTube channels where you can find all of our live content this week coming up. So what's on tap, if you will, to steal something from the unknown Packers podcast, but it's not really stealing because we're (laughs) friends and everybody knows that you can take stuff from your friends. Absolutely. Um, But as for this week, tomorrow we have Maggie Loney and Perry Goldstein live with happy hour once again. And I believe at some point this week we get the debut of the freezer podcast. So, Sanjay Murphy's Law, Fred Thurston, Matt Jensen, all kinds of fun stuff coming from them. Lombardi's Bar, I mentioned, has a special patron coming through. And who knows what else we come up with between now and next week. But it's been a lot of fun in between now and then. You can follow Paul on Twitter. He is at Paul underscore Brettel. You can can follow Jason. I'm getting choked up just talking about him. He's at Jason (laughs) Peron. And you can follow me for general nonsense game on Wisconsin stuff and mostly pictures of my beautiful daughter, uh, at Jacob Westdorf. And actually I should say, Paul, you get pictures of his cute baby from time to time as well. So, uh, soon enough, I think we're going to have to link those two up. I think they're born close enough together. That they should probably be friends. So in general, I appreciate you guys stopping by. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Training camp begins Tuesday. Uh, I'll be a different format, a little different, but football is here. And we are so happy that that is the case. Thank you guys for listening and go Pat go.